Oh, well, already I'm happy. I don't know about you guys. The stuff that I've seen already, I've enjoyed. It's uh, reaching to where I need to be reached, if that's the correct phrase. I don't know, because we can't say touched anymore, can we? No, all right. <laughs> the lights have suddenly gone up. Is this a new thing? It's all right, whatever. Anyway, so I am this first little uh, five minutes, which I'm going to stick to five minutes, but that means I might read it more than I'll just ad lib, because I know what I'm like. I follow rabbit trails and I am not allowed, because that won't allow me five minutes. So here's what I want to say. Tonight, we're talking about connectedness. Now, what we mean by this is not just how we relate to each other, relationships and so forth, but more down to the very essence of what we're made of. Everything that exists is made up of atoms mixed together in different combinations to make life. But we have been sold a great mischief about humanity. We have been told our humanity is depraved and sinful and that we are separated from our Creator. So we obsess, how can we make this bad thing good? And of course, this is the perfect climate in which religion flourishes. We say and we sing words such as, I'm only human after all, that sends a message that our humanity is weak rather than totally amazing. It focuses on separateness rather than connectedness. And separateness becomes our chosen language and our experience. Phrases like, to err is to be human, to forgive is divine, says it all. I'm low down on the ladder of creation, I'm just human, don't put the blame on me. And even as Christians, our understanding of the kingdom of God, we still find a way of reinforcing our need to be reconnected to something outside of ourselves. For example, and it's already been said by Jenny, we know that a kingdom is a land over which a king has rule. A king has subjects over which he rules. And those subjects obey his rule. And those who don't obey are put in the dungeons or even executed. Even in this analogy, we are subjects separated from the king. But Jesus had a totally different idea when he talked about the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom is within you. You're not a, just a subject in a kingdom where God is in charge, but you are one with it. You're made of the same stuff that the kingdom is and even God is made of. I had a picture on my fridge for many years of two little teddy bears helping each other up a very steep flight of stairs. And the caption read, we can make it. That's the kind of stuff we're made of. And that used to bless me because I'm thinking, yes, life is like a staircase that's a struggle. But I didn't really understand at that time what that meant, the kind of stuff we're made of. I took this to mean true grit and determination. I had no idea what really made off means. But Professor Brian Cox, the scientist, the physicist who you might see on the TV programme Forces of Nature, was explaining this week that this uh, point. It is a fact, but also a mystery of the universe, that everything is made up of a few building blocks that interact with each other according to a few simple laws of nature. Simple? I don't think so. 
But simply put, everything is made up of the same stuff. Yes, really, whether it be a rock or a fish or a volcano or a moth, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yet we can look at the stars in awe and wonder, but we look at ourselves in such derogatory ways. But you are made up of the same stuff of the stars. That is awesome. We have forgotten what we are and who we are. We are human, 100% physical and 100% spiritual, the centre of God's creation. We are each a unique expression of God in the earth. Now to remember, hang on, because we said we'd forgotten who we are. So to remember means, and this is interesting because I've never known this before, To remember means to put back together. When we, by remembering, pull back together all the pieces of ourselves that we have felt were discardable, we again become whole. We only act small as little humans when we have forgotten who we are. Remembering opens up incredible possibilities of what we can be to each other and our world. Now, there's a story told of a monastery that had fallen on hard times. Once a great order, it had become decimated and there were only five monks left, the abbot and four others, and they were all over the age of 70. It was a dying order. In the woods surrounding the monastery, there was a little hut that a rabbi from a nearby town would occasionally stay the abbot decided he would visit him in the hopes of receiving some advice that would save the monastery. But after sharing his concerns, the rabbi could only commiserate, I know how it is. It's the same in my town. No one wants to come to the synagogue anymore. The spirit has gone out of the people. Is there no piece of advice you can give me to save my dying order, said the abbot. I have no advice to give, said the rabbi. The only thing I can tell you is this, that the Messiah is one of you. The abbot returned to the monastery and shared with his fellow monks what the rabbi had said. The Messiah is one of you. Nobody knew what that meant, but in the days and weeks that followed, the old monks pondered uh, and wondered whether there was any truth in the rabbi's words. The Messiah is one of us. Could he possibly mean one of us monks? If that is the case, which one? Do you suppose he meant the abbot? He's been our leader for a very long time. Surely he means the abbot. On the other hand, did he mean Brother Thomas? He's a very holy man. He certainly couldn't have meant Brother Elred. He's crotchety at times. But then again, He's usually writing what he sees. And what about Brother Philip? Surely not Brother Philip. He's so passive, a nobody really. But then again, have you noticed how when you need him, he's always there? Maybe Philip is the Messiah. Of course, the rabbi didn't mean me. He couldn't have possibly meant me. I'm just so ordinary. Yet what if he did? Suppose I am the Messiah. Oh God, not me. I couldn't be that much for anyone. Could I? And as they contemplated in this manner, the old monks started to treat each other with extraordinary respect, 
on the off chance that each monk could be the Messiah as they did this without even being conscious of it. The aura of extraordinary respect surrounded the five old monks and radiated from them and permeated the atmosphere of the place. There was something strangely attractive, even compelling about it. Hardly knowing why, people began to come back to the monastery and friends brought their friends. And within a few years, the monastery had once again become a thriving order, a vibrant centre of light and spirituality, thanks to the rabbi's gift. So, stop, stop acting small. That's not the sort of stuff you are made of. And you too could be the Messiah. And that song said and I was so moved by it. If all reveals your nature, so will I. Every part designed in a work of art called love. And we're part of it tonight. Well, I think tonight, um, which is our intent in developing who we are as Q has been dripping with purpose. Yes. <laughs> and it may lack some elements that some of you have a familiarity with, um, but I would suggest you can get those elements in many places, put a CD on at home, watch the TV, do whatever it is that you do, but we're committed here to drive in a path less travelled, of a kind of purpose that really helps us to get to grips, not just with a, a good feeling, but with something that, that affects our life and saturates us. And um, I mentioned last week that um, in the context of this massive 100 billion stars out there, and incidentally that song, the lyrics of that song are incredible. <clears throat> now down to the smallest of the smallest things that, that we can see. That it means that we here as human beings are a big part of something small. That's where we be the hands, the feet. That's where we love. That's where we show kindness. That's where we show tolerance and generosity and goodness and all these wonderful things that bring a blessing in people's life. But that we're also a small part of something big. That the bit that we can't do, the bit we can't engineer, the bit we can't manufacture, the bit that is like space beyond our reach still exists in that same strength and power to, to flow into our lives. And that the interesting factor that the same elements that the universe is made of are the same elements that you are made of because God is in it all. And we have been guilty in religion of actually diminishing the wonder of the one aspect of creation that says that we were made in his image and in his likeness. That suggests to me that deep down in all of us there is a resident goodness, there is a resident health, there is a resident belonging, there is a resident salvation that just needs setting free. And part of our purpose is to show you the bigness so that your heart can explode into that from the little world that you have confined yourself to. 
These concepts are not Godless, they are Godful. And I have a couple of verses from the Bible that I just wanted to point to tonight. Because these suggest something very important. Now, of course, I'm getting used to a new discipline, which is, which is saying a lot in a very short space of time, rather than saying a little in a very long period of time. And these verses in Colossians are interesting. I would love to talk about the whole thing because it gives context to something that we call spirituality, that we think is spirituality, that according to the writer is not spirituality at all. In fact, he calls it unspiritual, but he's not meaning there are some things that are spiritual and some things that are not. He's meaning that your definition of what is spiritual has become distorted. So listen to this, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regards to religious festivals, meetings, gatherings, conferences, new moon celebrations, Sunday church. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The rest is just stuff. Some of the things that you and I might anchor after in the context of how we do church is just stuff. And so he goes on to say in verse 17, uh, sorry, where's the, put me the next verse up because I've got the wrong verses up there. I've obviously written them down wrong and I apologise for that because that's not the bit that I wanted to read. Give me that... Give me that tab there. Technical error. Oh, there we go. This is it. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Now, now let, let me clarify this because he's having to clarify this. It has a context, but here's the context for us. Such a person goes into great detail about all the spiritual experiences they have had and all the revelations that they have seen it would be in modern language. And they are pushed up, puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. In other words, he is saying what we have often deemed as Spiritual is actually, in God's eyes, unspiritual if there is such a thing. Can you run me the next verse? You guys are doing a wonderful job. They have lost connection with the head. We can get so caught up in what we think are the requirements of religious practice what we do, how we meet the expectations, how we perform, how long we pray, all of those kind of things that we think we're spiritual. And yet he says, when they drive your understanding of spirituality, you have lost connection with the head because you've misunderstood that all things are spiritual because all those elements in the universe are flowing in and through our lives. And here's what he said, they've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Now, here's why we're not preaching a godless religion or a godless belief system. Because at the head of it all is God. And anybody that doesn't have a head 
has no life or movement in the body. And the reason we begin to struggle is connected to the level of our disconnection from the head. However, the head is not a religious figure that you meet in a building. The head is the full revelation of who God himself is. So as we see the heavens and as we see the microbiology and we understand that in all of that we are made of the same stuff by the same God, so the same power, the same miracle, the same dynamic that holds the heavens in place in space is what holds your life in place, keeps you in orbit, keeps you balanced, moves in you. But another one little illustration before I close about the head. If we physically become disconnected from the head, we suffer from something called quadriplegia. We also know it as paralysis because the body can no longer do what the body was designed to do for one simple reason. It has become disconnected from the head, where the wisdom, the life, the flow is manifest. It's become disconnected from the part of you that scientists tell us we only use 5% of the immense capacity of the brain that governs our body because God is in there somewhere. God is in it and of it and through it. And, and the issue is that when there is a disconnection, we have paralysis and the same is in our life in our relationships, in our understanding, in our religion, in our belief, when we become disconnected from the fullness of the one who is the head, the one who is the breath, the one who breathed spirit into us as humanity in the very beginning, that's when our lives begin to not work together. But he says, by that he holds us together and all the sinews and ligaments begin to work because God is working in us and for us and through us and to us. I had a little experience a few days ago. I was diagnosed with a basal cell carcinoma, which if you don't know what one of those is, it is a cancer, but it's a cancer that's non-malignant. It's a benign cancer, but it will grow like a cancer, and the only way to deal with it is to have it surgically removed. I got quite upset about this and felt, if the God of the universe is in me, if all of this that is there and all of this down there flows through me, every time I saw it in the mirror on my shoulder, I put my finger on it and said, there is life in me. I am connected to the God of the universe, and that life, that creative energy flows through me. And yet, guess what? It fell off. I had to go and tell my doctor to cancel the appointment at the hospital for the surgery because it fell off. Now, you say, what's all that about? Somehow, somewhere in all of us, there is that immense energy and power and strength that we can get afraid of those kind of terminologies. And in doing, we limit God to a religious being within a religious institution, within a religious movement, when actually his life is flowing in our world, in you, through you. And if you will allow that connection to believe that that strength, that power is flowing then all that God is will become all that you are and all that you are will become all that God is and yet I'm going to use what some would call a new age phrase, you will be one with the universe. 
You'll be one with the creator of the universe. You'll be one with the spirit, the breath that brought this thing into being, with the word that brought it into being. I want to lift your heart to understand there is something great and immense and marvellous and it meets in you. And if you will recognise that and realise that, it will create in you and for you and through you the life of God. No wonder in the ancient writings, a guy called David says, he restores my soul. And because of that goodness and mercy follows me. It follows me. It's part of my world. All of that goodness and all of that mercy. You are not a drop in the ocean. You are the ocean. You are not a dot in time and space. You are time and space. You try and separate a drop from the ocean. It's all one. You have a bigness, a greatness about you that is the God that we preach. It's the God of the universe. It's the God who created it, who manifests himself in Jesus and today is here to manifest himself in you so that his word becomes flesh, his breath becomes life and today you get your miracle and you get your ascendancy because we are connected. Be connected, receive it. Father, bless every heart, every life in here tonight as we receive the things that I believe you have imparted to us and may the life, the energy, the power, the strength, the love, the, 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 the creative energy, the breath, the spirit of all that flows from you bring us into a wonderful freedom tonight as we become in our understanding who you have already made us by your word in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there we go. Let's run the video, hang around, have some fellowship, and we hope you've enjoyed the night.